How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week, our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now, here's your host, Brad Costanzo. Hey, welcome back to Bacon Wrap Business. This is Brad, and today I've got Justin Cook on the show. Now, Justin is the co-founder um, and chief marketing officer of Empire Flippers. And if you are a subscriber to the show, you might recognize the name Empire Flippers. Um, not too long ago, we had Greg Elfrink on the show, and we talked about buying businesses and uh, Amazon FBA businesses and a lot of different types of deals that you can do as opposed to starting a business of your own. And I brought Justin on the on the call today or on the podcast, I should say today, to uh, go deeper into this. It's, you know, if you've been listening to Bacon Rep Business, you'll know it's one of my favorite topics and things change so much in this space that uh, I wanted to tap into uh, somebody who's doing this is helping others uh, find and buy and flip and build businesses. Um, and we're going to see where this goes today. We've got, uh, I've got a lot of questions and I know Justin's got a wealth of information to share. Uh, without any further ado, Justin, welcome to, I think it's your first episode on Bacon Wrapped Business. Yeah, buddy. My first one. Thanks for having me, man. I That's right. It. It's, I think this is also the, I've had other people come on twice, but this is the first time I've had two people from the same company on. So that's a first for me. Nice. Well, it's a well. fun topic, man. It, we just pre-show, like we were already starting to get into it a little bit, talking about deals and how to make them, and it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, give the folks a quick overview of what Empire Flippers is. I, I I know about it. I could introduce it, but I'd love to hear it from the horse's mouth so that they don't get confused. What is Empire Flippers? What do you guys primarily do? Yeah. So Empire Flippers is a managed marketplace, it's a full service marketplace that allows people to buy and sell internet and online businesses. So we can do anything from as small as like an Amazon affiliate site, you know, making, you know, 800 bucks, thousand bucks a month up to much larger e-commerce businesses, you know, selling for 10, $15 million. Perfect. Let's talk about the state of the market right now, as it applies to online business acquisition. And, um, you know, so what kind of, uh, trends are you seeing? What kind of, and trend, not only just in volume of like, hey, deals are picking up, more people are buying, selling, et cetera, but also kind of the kinds of businesses that you guys are seeing and, um, you know, what's, what kind of actions happening out there? Yeah. So 2020 for our industry was interesting. You know, when uh, COVID first hit, there was a lot of questions about kind of where the market was going to go. Right. And so in, I think in March and April, we saw a real pullback, like the money just dried up. There was nothing there. Deals weren't getting done. And so we, I think in April, we sat down with our team and said, hey, guys, hold on to your hats, like buckle in because we're in for a bit of a ride. You know, we're going to see what we can do to keep the business afloat and let's do the best we can. Um, and then it came roaring back the next month. May was our, at that point in 2020, our best month ever. So, you know, it really turned on us. You know, I think when it, everything kind of first went down, a lot of buyers were kind of scared to do deals. And the buyers that were buying were coming in saying, hey, you know, economies in tatters, give me your deals. I'm looking for sweetheart deals. I'm looking for people taking, slashing their price. And what we found was that internet businesses were crushing it right? Internet business, were doing just fine. So they were like, what? I'm not slashing my price. I want to sell for more because I'm profiting more every month. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's this disconnect between buyers looking, to, the, the few buyers are out there looking for really good deals. And sellers like, no way, man, I'm selling for more. And so that resolved itself in May. And like, you know, our industry has just been on a tear through the end of 2020 and into 2021. We've seen the size of deals go up, We've seen multiples go up by 30-ish percent from 2020 to 2021. Um, the size of deals has doubled uh, from 2020 to 2021. So larger deals selling for more money at larger multiples. It's, it's a seller's market for sure. That's fantastic. What about the, uh, what about the type? So you mentioned, um, and uh, like, I know Amazon FBA businesses, you know, e-commerce, like Shopify style businesses, yeah. um, other like, content-based affiliate sites, et cetera. What would you say, um, what, you know, what's, what are some of the hotter ones right now? What's, what's working yeah, really yeah. well if you either want to buy both on the buy side and the sell side? 
so we're really agnostic as to monetization type at Empire mm-hmm. Flippers. Like it doesn't really, doesn't really matter to us. Like we'll sell any online business. And so, you know, we kind of see trends pop up and kind of go away. And right now what's really hot is kind of the blended e-commerce, particularly around FBA. So Amazon FBA businesses are absolutely crushing it, particularly like the mid fi- six figure to like mid to high seven figure range. Like they're flying off the shelves. People are buying them right and left. So that's a really hot industry right now. There's a ton of different types of buyers that are buying those businesses. Amazon uh, Associates, there's less like Amazon Associates or display type AdSense type sites selling at maybe maybe about the same, maybe a little bit less than we were in previous years. Um, but as a percentage, it's dropped. So it's not as hot. And a lot of that has to do with like Amazon associate changes, commission changes and hits people have taken on Google updates. It's not that people aren't, aren't building them. It's not, they're not profitable. We're still selling ones that are crushing it. But I think people have kind of like moved into other, you know, neighborhoods in terms of like entrepreneurship. What about the buyers? Um, so I, w- I want to think about, so my audience, right? I've got, Sometimes I'm really selfish and sometimes I'm not. So a lot of them are, pro- some of them probably own a e-commerce business that might be ready to sell. So in those cases, I would definitely say, you know, contact Empire Flippers, see what's even possible. Um, because I know when I, when I sold my first business, it wasn't even an e-commerce business. It was a, um, it was a information product business. And I had no idea that there would actually be a market for this. And I just floated it out to a broker and he's, like, yeah, I found a buyer for you quickly and, yeah. um, and I sold it. So it was like, oh, wow, this is super cool. But for the buyers out there, for the people who are either trying to reinvent themselves, get into something new, get into something they really like, maybe buy a business as opposed to start one. If they've been listening to the show at all, they know that I've said a million times that it can oftentimes be a great shortcut and easier to buy a business than to, um, to start one from scratch. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what's required Back kind of to basics for the average buyer, to somebody who's not coming in with a fat stack of hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to uh, acquire some of these businesses. What do they need? What do they need to know? What do they have to to uh, come prepared with to really compete to buy a decent business that if they want to buy it and run it and uh, cash flow it. Yeah, I, I just spoke to, I was just answering a question from someone on Reddit the other day. You know, they're mentioning, I don't understand, like, why would anyone pay, you know, $300,000, $800,000, $2.6 million for these businesses at Empire Flippers when you could just start the business from scratch and spend a lot less money to get started? And, you know, his point is right in that, you know, you can take probably $150 and buy a domain name, get hosting, set yourself up a WordPress site throw on some affiliate links, some content that you've created yourself and build an affiliate site from scratch, right? And so, you know, I think the reason people buy businesses is they're buying time, right? It may take you two or three or four years to get that site traction, if at all, right? A lot of people that start affiliate sites or any type of online business fail. Uh, They don't follow through. It never, you know, it's product market fit and it never gets traction. The Google gods, like there are lots of reasons businesses fail. Mm -hmm. And so you're buying a business, you're buying time, two or three years of blood, sweat, and tears put into a business. And you're also buying that product market fit. You know, the fact that it already has traction, it's a lot easier to work with something that's already making money. So that's kind of the answer on like, why would you build versus buy? Now, if you don't have the money, you know, like that's it. I mean, you, you, you're definitely be uh, building from scratch and you're going to be kind of testing through stuff and hustling it up. And, you know, you can be successful that way, but like, if you've got the money and you have less time to kind of, you know, goof around for a couple of years, getting up and running, like buying can, can oftentimes be the better option. Like I'm in a position where I'd much prefer to buy, but I've been in a position where, you know, I didn't have much money and I was broke and uh, I'd have to build. Right. Well, let's talk, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more because to a degree that's true. Like if you don't have the money, but really it's if you don't have access to the money. And there's a lot of people out there I know who um, you know, will buy you know, businesses with, sometimes it's their own money. Sometimes they'll yeah. arrange a loan. Sometimes it's an SBA loan, right? That's access to money. Sometimes you'll find private investors. What are some of the buyers doing who are, because I know like working in a marketplace and with brokers, et cetera, it makes it a little bit more challenging to get, do really creative deals and do like hundred percent owner financing and all this stuff. And oftentimes you're dealing with businesses who are uh, highly motivated or desperate or something's wrong and they need to, they need to just do a quick sale. You know, they often aren't the ones who are going to marketplaces with businesses you want to buy, right? Those are the turnarounds. 
yeah, the businesses we're selling, I mean, you know, they've been vetted, verified, the earnings and traffic are legitimate. Um, they've been doing this for a long time, and in some cases, many, many years. Yeah. And so you're paying a premium when you buy a business from us. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's not to say that, um, that you can't work interesting deals and interesting deals happen for sure. Uh, often dealing with seller finance, uh, financing, you'll have uh, um, um, owner retained equity. And we do deals like that, but you're not getting a zero money down deal. No. SBA loans often don't happen for the simple fact that another buyer is going to come and beat you to the punch, mm -hmm. particularly right now. I mean, if you're it's like the housing trying market. to like, oh man, dude, all assets are up. It's through the roof. I'm trying to buy a house right now in Texas and try to put offers in. I'm doing it remotely. I'm from, I'm living in Asia, <laughs> trying to like buy this house and this like investment property in Texas is just insane. Like yep. offering over list. And, but you know, it's very similar in our space. So deals are go, going very, very quickly. You know, we're shopping them around and sometimes getting you know, much over list. So yeah, trying to like work deals in today's market as a buyer it's really challenging. And if you do, or if you are able to get like some really fat, like seller financing, you're going to probably, you probably have a lot of work on your hands with that probably a big turnaround. fixer upper. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so, and I wanted to get that out there because like, I'm a huge fan and I've done this in the past where I've bought businesses for zero, zero down total owner financing or some real yep. creative version, but it was a, it was, there was a lot of elbow grease that had to go into that. Um, the people though, how are you seeing people access if they're not if they're not coming with a fat stack of cash on hand? Are you seeing any yeah. sources of financing that or things that they can do to access capital? Yeah. So one of the things we're seeing are like the owner investor uh, pairings or partnerships. So you're having you know the person with the elbow grease. Maybe they've got a track record of building affiliate sites. And they're coming in and saying, look, you know, I've got a, an investor, I've got a couple investors, sometimes it's friends and family, mm -hmm. um, or someone they know in their network. And they're, they're coming in saying, look, I want to take this to the next level, instead of building a, you know, $150,000 affiliate site, I want to buy a $500,000 affiliate site and, you know, double or triple it over the next couple of years. And so you'll see these kind of interesting partnerships. And they're really good in that I would say, two to three hundred thousand dollars up to the one 1.5 million dollar range and let me explain why so anything under two hundred thousand you're going to get cashed up buyers for days they can just buy those cash no problem they're going to go quickly and and to mm -hmm. one party usually you get like four five six seven hundred thousand dollars and in a lot of cases, that's a bit too much cash for one buyer coming in. And not, not all the time, they, they happen too. But, you know, like the, in terms of like the pool of buyers, there's a smaller pool of buyers sitting on $700,000 than there are 150, mm -hmm. right? So those are really good scenarios to partner up with an investor. If you're an operator, partner up with an investor too and do the deal. You're also likely to get more favorable terms. Because those are too small for the roll-up companies and the portfolio companies, which we can talk about later. But they're really looking for like million, 1.5 million or 2 million and above, you know, high branded, you know, a couple of SKUs and FBA or whatever. Like they're specifically looking for those. If it's anything below that, it's too small. So you're too big for the, the small individual buyers. And it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it's not big enough uh, for the portfolio company. So yeah, that two, 300,000 to one, $1.5 million range is great for like an operator investor pair. No, I love that. And it um, actually reminds me of a, um, of a story, you, you know, Roland Frazier, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Roland told me a story about whenever he, um, whenever he bought his, I think it was his first business. And, and I've always loved this story where, you know, in essence, he found the operators, the people who would be two, two friends of his or acquaintances that he knew had the skills to run it. And although he negotiated the purchase, he actually borrowed the money to get the business purchased at a, I think they were originally asking for $3 million uh, mm -hmm. and he negotiated them down to $2 million. And then when he, he borrowed enough money to buy it for the down payment, et cetera, but then he immediately went and got these two others who were operator investors. So as opposed to owner investors, they, they were operator investors because they realized that if they came in and worked on this, they'd be able to grow it. But he just made sure that they, they invested money in yeah. order to take operate, like to be president and CMO of it. And he, he doubled the valuation on them. So he, he said, okay, yeah, you can invest in this business, but it's worth $4 million. 
right? Yeah. So, because valuation is is a very flexible thing. It's what you can convince it, it, somebody it, else it to buy. Very, very I've flexible. always loved. I've, I've just always loved that. I, I did a version of that where I, I actually bought a a, a web site business for um, it, this was for no money down at one multiple, and then I had two of my friends invest in to buy two thirds of the business, but I increased the valuation not by double, but but about one and a half. And um, it was kind of an interesting way. I bring this up because I love I love creative deals. And I like for my audience to know that there's typically more than one way to skin this cat. Like you can get access to money in a lot of different ways. You don't just have to have a big bank account. You don't have to do create super creative deals with the sellers. Sometimes you can do super creative deals with other investors. So that's, that's absolutely true. The money has to come from somewhere. So the money's, <laughs> money's exchanged hands, but it doesn't necessarily have to come from you. I mean, there are people that are really good kind of just deal makers, right? So mm-hmm. there's a guy that we work with. I mean, he's public as a show. His name's Ace Chapman. We've done a I know whole Ace. bunch of deals with him. Yeah, yeah. So we've done a whole bunch of deals with him and he's done a whole bunch of creative deals. Sometimes he puts money in. Sometimes he's just carving the deal out. He'll carve out a little piece for himself by kind of like, you know, bringing some investors to the deal and then like setting the terms, getting the seller to, to get on board. Like he does some really creative deal making stuff. Um, you, you can do it for sure. And there is seller financing. And, and if you can find the investors, it makes a lot of sense. We're actually, so we have a separate, we have a different problem. So what we found is, you know, over the last year, maybe year and a half, we've, um, done something where, you know, if someone's looking to buy a business, we require a liquidity statement from them. Mm-hmm. So they can either connect their bank account out via plaid, or they can uh, send us financial documents. Right. And that'll give us some sense on how much money they have on the sidelines and, and we'll give them a, a price range on what they're going to be able to look at on the market. So over the year, year and a half been doing that, we've been stacking like the available funds. Uh, it's grown a ridiculous amount. So we have $3.5 billion and growing in verifiable funds kind of sitting on the sidelines. From your, we, from the clients who verified from, with you? From actual people that verified their financials with us. And I think the, the largest one is somewhere around 40, 50 million. So there's just a ton of people with, 2 million, 5 million, 3 mm-hmm. million. Um, and so what we're realizing is like, there's all this, there's this giant pool of money. And in a lot of cases, these people don't have the skills or experience to run the business themselves. Like they want to get in the game, but they don't have the time or, you know, the ability to kind of put the skills in they need to, to get up to speed. And so we're like, this is a high quality problem for us to solve, right? All this money that wants to be, that wants to, to, you know, get placed, um, without the skills, the time to do it. So we've been thinking through that. One of our things we came up with recently is our EF capital program. Mm-hmm. It's really in its embassy, but basically, you know, the, the real value here are the operators with like a track record and the skills and experience to run these businesses. Like that's where the real value is. And so because of the industry we're in, we happen to know a bunch of them, right? They've sold businesses with us. They bought businesses from us. And so we've kind of put them together and created uh, a marketplace uh, for investment. So if you're, are you familiar with like fund that flip or realty shares or fundrise Real- or any of those companies? Realty shares. Yes. And fundrise, but not fund that flip. Okay. So it, they're basically marketplaces for real estate deals. We've done something mm-hmm. very similar. Uh, we've created a marketplace for operator investor pairings. And so as an accredited investor, you can go to the EF Capital Marketplace, review deals and what they're looking to do and decide which deal you want to invest in. We did our first round. We had six go up initially. We fully funded five for, I think, $7.5 million. And they're in the process right now of acquiring the businesses through our marketplace. So, you know, this is, it's a a pilot program. It's accredited investors only. But if we can, you know, if we can do three things, if we can prove that A, or number one, we can raise the money for the operators. And we've done that. So we've passed that test. Second thing is, you know, can the operators find the right businesses to purchase for their kind of thesis and what they want to build? And we're figuring that out right now. That isn't totally solved. And the third thing is, is can they deliver an ROI for their investors? Can they uh, deliver them a return that makes sense? And if we can get those three things solved, I mean, I think this will be off the races because there's a you know, ton of money that would love to be involved in something like this. I love that. So that's actually one of my, one of my personal uh, things as well. So I, I, I told you this earlier that, you know, 
but before we started recording, like I, I've said, yeah. uh, no more startups for me. And then I did a startup, right? Which I'm currently involved yeah, yeah. in. <laughs> and uh, I'm at that place where I love making the babies and I don't like raising the babies. And I get that from my friend, um, uh, Tim Francis, who always talks about uh, uh, this concept. And we are currently in the process of both validating and testing out the, the, mo- the model, but also looking for people who can come in and start to run this, whether they are very advanced people we can pay a lot of money or more apprentice style people who can come learn. They've got a lot of hustle to manage it because although I've got the skills to run it, I don't have the desire to run the day-to-day thing and do everything that's necessary to keep an e-commerce business, you know, rocking and rolling. So finding, like you said, I mean, that is like one of the Holy grails is finding the people who can come in and run the businesses that the investors purchase and do it in a way yeah. that makes sense for everybody is really one of the keys because I know I've, I've passed over deals before because I looked at it. I was like, I don't know if I, I definitely don't have the bandwidth or the skills to yeah. run that. And I don't have people on tap that I can say, I'm going to buy this. You go run it. Uh, yeah, you know, we've got, we've got other people too, like SEO guys, for example, that are investing in some of the deals. And for them, they just want to put some money in another space. So, you know, they're, they're I sold my last at, look, business to our SEO guy, the guy we yeah. hired to do SEO. I sold the business to him. <laughs> well, you know, they're so dependent on Google, right? They're like, look, I want to, I want some exposure to FBA. Yeah. Right. So they're putting some money into some FBA deals, uh, you know, just as a diversification move. And so, and they, they, in some cases know the operators on those, those businesses. So, yeah, I think, I think this is a really interesting tack and, and we have to be very careful and thoughtful and like how we attract the operators. Mm-hmm. So you know, we, we wanted to make sure that they had skin in the game. So every operator has put some money into the deal, hmm. but then we're leveraging them up. Right. So they're putting in, don't quote me on the numbers, yeah. but, you know, seven ish percent, and then they're getting 30% equity in the business. So some skin in the game, I think is, is important. Right. Um, but we're, they're also getting a fat leverage. Also, in terms of investor management, that's all done through our team at EF Capital. So like they don't have to worry about raising the money, you know, investor management or relationships. They don't have to deal with any of that. They're just running the business. And you know, we found this because you know, in talking to these operators, you know, we, we were trying to solve their pain points. We're like, look, we, we recognize they're a valuable piece of the puzzle. Like, how do we make it make sense for them? Right. And uh, and make it a no brainer for these like quality operators to come on board because we don't want just anyone. We want people that have the skill sets that have the track record and they have proven success. Absolutely. So if I if I understand this correctly, um, for for these operators, these are people they may be they may be skilled in this stuff, but they don't have the capital to go buy something themselves. So. And correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. I'm just trying to make sure I understand. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So, so they come in. Let's say they have a hundred thousand uh, dollars. They're willing to put in. They're yep. looking to raise, you know, do a deal for one point five million. And let's say out of that one point five, they're buying either one or two businesses. Either one one point five million dollar business or you know two mm-hmm. seven hundred fifty thousand dollar businesses. Now themselves, they could have probably scrounged the cash up to do two three hundred thousand dollar deal. Um, but that's not nearly as interesting and they, they're not leveraging up nearly as much, right? So if mm-hmm. they double that business, it's not nearly as valuable to them as it would be a $1.5 million business. So they're coming in with experience in either running or um, you know, managing an FBA business that's larger or even smaller deals and then trying to you know, leverage up to do the larger deals, if that makes sense. It does. And in fact, like, and I, this is actually pretty brilliant the more I'm thinking about that too, because this is a way of them of them getting that financing, but they're not getting the financing from the seller. It's not like they're putting a hundred thousand dollars down and then, well, in some cases, yeah. 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 In some cases they're getting a bit of seller financing from the seller, but in addition to that, they're also raising the money through the investors. That's kind of uh, done for them by us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And then if you are an investor and you, you want to put in, like you also want to buy a million dollar business, um, but you don't necessarily want to have to go through the process of hiring and managing and like, well, recruiting and then hiring and then managing and overseeing somebody who a doesn't have skin in the game because it's a, it's kind of a fairy tale to think I'm just going to hire somebody and they're going to be brilliant and they're going to manage without them having skin in the game just for salary or performance. They're going to manage this thing or care about this business as much as I do. But if you can find a skilled operator who's got significant money and skin in the game, like you said, like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And they're operating that that's actually pretty brilliant. So this marketplace 
Uh, what, what's this marketplace calls? It cost, uh, not cost called. Is this the Empire EF Capital. Flippers Capital? Cool. EF and I'm Capital, on your yeah, empireflippers.com slash capital. I assume that's the uh, place where you yeah, get some information right. on this. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, that's I didn't right. know you guys had that. Yeah, it's closed right now. We have a second round. We're going to be opening probably in Q3. And the plan is Q3, but we're still like, they're still acquiring from the first round. Mm-hmm. The second round will be Q3 and the third round Q4, or maybe we'll push to Q1. But so, no, so we really explain what you mean by the, so these rounds are closed. So how does that work? So we're doing it in kind of like round format. So for the first round, we brought on six operators, right? We went through, I don't know. 30 interviews or so okay and whittled it down to the six that we thought would give us the best chance of success had the best track record and you know, the, the most chance to, to make this work really mm-hmm. um and and we're lucky in that we have a wide pool of operators to choose from because of the business that we're in at empire flippers right mm-hmm. so we know like we we know the finances of their business so we've vetted them we've helped them buy businesses in some cases so we know their businesses we know how they operate and so we put up six we were able to raise the funds for five of the six. So one of them didn't raise the funds. And for that six person, all of the funds were returned to the investors. In some cases, they just put the money in other deals. In some cases, they just took the, the money back. So we've got five operators. We're whittled down to five. And they're currently uh, on the market looking to buy businesses. Now, we gave them a timeline of only three months. They only had three months to spend the money um, or lose it. And it goes back to investors. And the reasoning there is like, we don't want investors, we don't want to tie up their cash so long, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, that cash would be being used elsewhere. I mean, they'd be getting return on it. So tying up their cash for a long period of time wasn't of interest. And we're really testing this anyway. We don't want it to drag out that long. So we gave them three months. So they're inside their three months. A couple of deals have been acquired so far. We need to get a couple more done. And I think there's a uh, about a month left or so to kind of get those deals done and we're working on it. And then once they're all acquired, then, you know, it'll just take time to see what the returns like things like FBA businesses. If, you know, just to break it down a little bit, if you're, if you got an FBA business that's doing really well and it's growing really quickly, it means you're having to buy more and more product, yeah. which means any successful Amazon FBA entrepreneur is broke, <laughs> constantly broke. They're borrowing money. They're putting stuff on their credit cards. They are cash poor. And they're doing this intentionally because their business is growing like gangbusters. So it's growing so quickly and so fast and getting so large that they're just dumping cash into it. Mm-hmm. But that can be tiring as an entrepreneur. So you know, over time, you know, you're like, what am I going to see return on this money? And so you know, that's, that's an interesting problem to solve when you're raising money from investors to build a business like that, you know, what, how do you deal? There are no capital calls, so they can't reach out to the investors, the original investors for more money. So they've got to operate it profitably. So they're gonna have to grow a little slower. Um, They're not gonna be able to just dump cash. They need to provide dividends to the investors. So that'll be interesting. Um, You know, we have some other guys going after like the affiliate type sites and they'll be able to spit out cash a little bit better, but the FBA ones will be interesting because you're balancing that cash flow and the dividends for investors versus growth, right? I gotta be honest. That's one of the things that's always, I'll say made me, you know, the word isn't spooked, but been, you know, trepidatious about that. Cause I do understand that, you know, a lot of e-commerce businesses have operated razor thin margins by necessity because, yeah. you know, they have to get really good at, you know, inventory management and capital requirements for funding growth um, and, and be careful, uh, you know, I guess just listening to somebody's gross revenue on, um, <laughs> on an e-commerce oh, we're doing 50 million yeah but what do you you know what are you taking to the bottom line and yeah, um yeah. but so, sure. we're, we're, oh, so, so real quick on that point it's interesting so like i'm you talked to greg about this uh, yeah. some while back and we we're talking about this before the show briefly is that like you know i, I remember you were saying you were like you know i don't know tying your business in with like amazon and like there's some concerns around that and honestly you know i had some of those concerns too i was like mm-hmm. You know, you're tied to a third party. You know, we know what Amazon has done to the associates mm-hmm. program. You know, are they going to gut, you know, FBA side? And, you know, that's been proven 
you know, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, but it looks very wrong today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there are in the last couple of years, billions of dollars raised by these private equity groups that are just swallowing e-commerce businesses whole, swallowing FBA businesses whole. Mm-hmm. And they are on rapid run rates. Some of them are, you know, looking to go public. Some of them are, you know, getting uh, offers for, you know, for hundreds of million dollars from the, the larger companies. It is, it is a mad, mad world out there in that space. So FBA has absolutely taken off. And, you know, don't get it wrong. Like a lot of these rollups and equity groups, they're, that's smart money, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're hiring ex-Amazon people. They have inside scoops, right? So they have some, I think, sense of the pulse of the market, particularly mm-hmm. where Amazon's concerned. So one thing that's really interesting about the space is that, uh, you know, a lot of the rollups in the private equity groups are taking advantage of the fact that sellers are a little fearful about Amazon and FBA overall, right? So sellers are like, oh, what if I lose my account? What if my account gets shut down? And so that's one of the reasons often that Amazon FBI entrepreneurs sell their businesses. And these rollups with their information are swallowing them whole. And so they're to some, I'm not, not in a necessarily a bad way, but they're taking advantage of this fear that FBA entrepreneurs have about their business and they're kind of rolling them up into massive companies. Yeah, that's brilliant. What about um, what about Walmart stores? I, I've seen that this is a big trend. A lot of people are starting to, who are doing uh, solely Amazon FBA are starting to do the similar things with Walmart stores. Is this something you, uh, you guys see as well? Yeah, we see it a little bit, but it's so like the revenue small. stream is so small comparatively. It's like dwarfed by Amazon. You know, that's that's one of the other problems. I mean, I don't know what you call it a problem or a benefit, but it's one of the problems with uh, just e-commerce businesses in general. It's like, you know, people have their FBA business. They're like, you know what? Let me let me get some sales off of Amazon. Let me diversify a little bit. And they put in, you know, a ton of effort and work to get that kind of off Amazon traffic and sales. And it's like, I spend a dollar and I make 10 cents, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I spend a dollar on Amazon and I'm getting two bucks back. Like, this is crazy. Like, what am I, why am I chasing after these pennies? And so it just, it, that ecosystem really sucks you in. That's the problem. It really does. That's where the, I mean, that's where the traffic is. What, uh, out of personal curiosity, some decently run Amazon stores, what kind of bottom line numbers uh, and profit margins are you typically seeing there? Like, because I, I haven't analyzed any of those like Amazon FBA businesses or yeah. uh, whatnot. Like, so, you know, is a 10% is a 10% profit margin on those? No, generally, generally higher than that. Okay. 20 to 30% is not uh, out of line. You can okay. see 20 to 30% margins. Uh, <laughs> one of the things you'll, you'll notice, or well, we notice, maybe you won't, but uh, you know, a, a lot of times these businesses are just an absolute mess in terms of their financials. Oh yeah, and so that's something we have to do a lot of work with sellers is kind of help them uh, fill out their P and L. And so we have a you know profit and loss that anyone can view on any of the business we have that's just standardized. So this one looks the same as that one looks the same as that one. So it's really good for like an apples to apples comparison. Mm-hmm. But like it takes a lot of work sometimes depending on the seller. Some some have their books in order. I'll, I'll give some credit. But like a lot of times it's super messy. And so that's we have to great. help them kind of dig through it and and prepare for sale. Yeah. Go, hey, going back to the EF Capital. So and I'm just I'm curious kind of the mechanics of that way that works. So yep. if you're an investor and let's let's say you've got a million dollars to invest and you want you your ideal outcome is to put this into a business that has somebody who's got skin in the game and is running it. So that's thus they're working with your operators. So if I'm if I'm an investor, I put a million dollars in and it ba- it's basically what like a search fund, I guess, for yeah. So no. So that's, that's interesting. We may do something like that in the future where it's money into a fund mm-hmm. right now it's money per deal and every deal is an individual operator. So if you're thinking of like objects on a whiteboard or whatever, you know, every single deal is its own operator. So you're basically investing in the jockey. Right. right? But so we, at what point does the money the go in? Ride. Does the money, if I'm an, if I'm the investor, I've got a million cash at what point do I put the money in? Is it after the deal has already been uh, identified or do I put the money in and say, listen, I've got the million dollars. This is for if a deal comes up, because you've mentioned a lot yeah. of investors don't want to don't want to keep their money, you know, not working for very long. So how does that yep. technically work? Yeah. So you're going to know their strategy, right? Mm-hmm. So they're saying, look, I'm going to buy an FBA business 
Um, it's going to be in this range. It's going to, here's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking, I have this unique advantage, which I'm going to apply to the business. So it needs to kind of meet this criteria. And if you buy into their thesis or their strategy, you're going to back the jockey. Right. And so eventually right now, this is a test, but eventually sure. we want to do it in rounds where we may have 20, 30, 40 operators at one time. Mm -hmm. And you can go in there and they're at various levels of uh, raising the funds. Some are 80% of the way there. Some are just starting off at 20%. And you can kind of back the ones that tend to make sense for you. Like you like their thesis, you like their interview, you like where they're coming from, or maybe you know, eventually over years, you like their track record because mm -hmm. we're going to show that publicly. So you can see what they've done on previous deals and previous rounds and the success for their investors. And so the operators that are doing better are going to get more leverage, right? So it might be a slightly worse deal for the investor, um, but you're going to have more surety in that you've got a track record of success with the, the operator. So yeah, it's not a search fund in that you're putting the money in kind of like on all of the deals. Mm -hmm. You as an uh, independent uh, investor are picking and choosing the operators that you want to back. So you might do 50,000 in this deal. You might do 100,000 in that deal, you know, 70,000 in that deal. So you can spread it out. If I, if I had a yep. million dollars, I could, you know, you've got five operators. I could give $200,000 to each operator if I liked all yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. And then that doesn't get spent unless they find a deal. And is it typically the operators out there is the one who is searching for and negotiating the deal? Or is it the yeah, investor? The yeah, the operator is searching for the deal and is ultimately the one that chooses. Now they have to um, choose a business that matches their thesis. So that's one of the one requirements. Like, like Joe and I, for example, don't have any say over what particular business they do. We're not negotiating on their behalf. They're actually looking to buy businesses at Empire Flippers. So we're not involved at all in terms of like, you know, working with the operator or whatever to get the deal done. Um, but we do have override, like a veto power if they try and choose a business that's outside the parameters they've set. So for example, if an FBA person goes in there and buys some, you know, completely off the wall Kindle ebook business, we're mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. That's not what the investors signed up for. Yeah, because they don't have experience in that. And that's sure, not what sure. I got gotcha. you. And I'm curious if, if it ever happens on the other side to where it's like the uh, the investor is interested in almost finding the deal, et cetera, and then having yeah. then matching it to um, one of the operators to say, listen, yeah. I've kind of found this. This is the business I want to be in. Uh, like, let's say I wanted to be in an FBA business or whatnot. I got this money um, and I even want to find the deal and maybe even negotiate it and then bring the operator in as almost like the, the backup. Does that ever happen? It hasn't uh, because we're trying to standardize this to some degree. We've had mm -hmm. a request for that. Mm. So we've had a request, uh, a few requests. I'll, I'll just kind of like go through some yeah. of the things that we've been hearing. So on one side, we've heard investors say, look, I, you know, I, this is completely passive for the investors, by the way, like they're not, they don't have any say, they're not going to have a, there's reporting requirements. So they're going to get updates on kind of what's going on, what was worked on this last quarter, what's planned this next quarter, but they're not going to be able to call up the operator and say, Hey, I was wondering why you made this move. And like, mm -hmm. there's none of that. We're set, we're separating the operator from the investors so they can do their work and then we can report to the investors. Oh, I got you. But, okay. um, but there are some investors are like, look, I've got, you know, deep knowledge in this space. Like I could probably help. Um, like, why would you not? You know, yeah. For some people, I understand that some people are just going to be kind of like ringing you up every day. But mm -hmm. like for some of the investors, like they have real kind of knowledge and help. Like, why would you not want their help? And I was like, well, that's a pretty good point. So in the future, in a future round, we're thinking about doing um, one or two deals to test it out where it's a much higher, like we only required $10,000 as a minimum uh, on this, pre like uh, is 50,000 total, uh, but 10,000 minimum per deal. Um, from the investor or from the operator? From the investor. Okay. So per, per, per deal. So you know, the minimum was 10,000 per deal. So like, and that's pretty small. We were thinking about maybe raising that to hundred or 150,000. And then mm -hmm. you actually have an advisory capacity where you're actually, you can do calls, you know, with the operator and kind of give them advice and guidance on ways to build it or make, you know, hook up connections, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. we're thinking about that. I don't know that's going to work. Another, um, another option, which I think is interesting is a seller coming in with the deal already. So seller comes in and says, look, you know, I want to be the operator. This is going to be kind of the flagship business. I've got this, you know, affiliate site. 
I want to buy other affiliate sites that are similar to this that I can grow in a similar way. So they're bringing in, let's say, a four or $500,000 business. So like, this is going to be part of the, the investment pool. I want an additional million to buy bolt-on affiliate sites that I can grow very similarly or even potentially um, uh, you know, sites that uh, can work in conjunction with this one that'll be part of the portfolio. I like it. Yeah. So, you know, we, again, we, we haven't done that either, but like, these are the kind of like, these are the ideas that are floating around that we, we want to test out eventually. I mean, you know, here's the big picture, right, Brad. And like, you know, this is, we're just testing it out, you know, whatever, but like EF capital, the big like billion dollar idea with this is like, we want to make these online businesses, a new asset class. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to log into mint or personal capital and have one of the segments be my online business portfolio right? We want to have a dashboard that you're able to log into at EF Capital and you're able to see over the long term how your investments are doing, you know, how your investments are allocated and which kind of niches and which operators hold what and which ones are giving you a return and which aren't. Like that's, that's what we want to turn this thing into. But, you know, we're, we're many, many steps away from that, but we've got the kind of like first version out, which I think is, is really exciting. I do too. Who, um, in, in a case like that, so one deal may have multiple investors, right? So one operator and they may have multiple investors. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. Who makes the ultimate call or is it voted upon for, let's just say um, somebody wants to sell or it's time to sell this business. Is that a, uh, is it a democratic decision? Is that? No. Yeah. No, that's the operator's call. Okay. So So even though they're the one that it's it's their call completely. Now there are some lockups, so they're Mm -hmm. not able to sell within the first 12 months. Uh, We were telling all the investors that expect somewhere between the two to four year mark to sell that business, but it's operator's discretion. Okay. Uh, And there's, you know, the investors can't get out of the deal. Mm -hmm. So there's no secondary market where they can sell off their piece to other people. Mm -hmm. There may be in the future, like I could see that where, you know, it's a bit more liquid, but right now it's illiquid investment, meaning they can't get out until the, the deal is completed and the deal is sold. Okay. What, what would happen if the, you know, circumstances happen to people all the time, right? Let's say hit, the operator hit by, bus. Yeah. Hit, by, hit by a bus goes through a massive depression, doesn't feel like working on this stuff anymore. Something happens to their life and they're just, they're out of it. Right. Um, what, yeah. What are the backstops for the investors in that case? Yeah. So Empire Flippers has the right to step in and take over the business if or when we choose. Okay. Right? So we have, we have the possibility or optionality to do that. Um, it's pretty far down the line and there are a number of contingencies that would need to be hit for us to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the end, we take it and give it to another capable operator. Okay. That's good. So it's not just like all, you know, they're all out. No, yeah, I will say though, that this is, and particularly these kind of like first rounds, this is a risky investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it is not, you know, uh, buying blue chip, uh, you know, blue chip stalker. It's, it's, it's not quite like startup land, right? You're not just, mm-hmm. um, you know, early equity in a startup space, but you're not blue chips either. I'd say it's closer <laughs> to startups than it is blue chips. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the returns can be outsized as well, right? So, you know, that's, that's the real determinant. Can we get good returns for these? And, and so what we're, he- what we're hearing a lot is that there's lots, I mean, lots of search funds and lots of private equity, like access to a market like this. So I think the big money will come, you know, we'd like to probably carve out a piece of it still for the smaller investors for, I mean, for marketing purposes, quite frankly, like if we can get more investors involved and not just have the search funds suck up the bulk of the, the equity in these deals, that would be good for us. We get more people in, you know, in the space and involved and that kind of thing. I imagine if you're the, um, whether you're an investor or an operator, like from both, like, what do you, what do you see as the best opportunity for each one? Like we're going to talk to two different people out here. One person who's listening to this show is uh, they're, they're a hustler. They're kind of an operator and um, they, they may not have a fat stack, but they got hustle. They're eager. They, they want to make it. The other one is an investor. So right now, I mean, the, the fund is, you know, the, the EF capital fund is closed, but what do you yep. think is the best opportunity that people should really be focusing on if they've also decided I'm not looking to just start up a new business on my own right now. So is there anything in particular you would give them advice on? 
Yeah, for, for both sides. So let's start with the operator side, right? So from an operator, operator's perspective, look, if you've already had a track record, you've had some success in kind of growing businesses in a particular niche, you've got a skill set that many other people don't have. And you've got, you know, proven ability in that particular area. Maybe there's something you have that just other people don't have or you don't have the skills for in terms of like growing these businesses out. So what you're able to do through the operator program is you're able to leverage up. So you're able to get um, sink your teeth into a larger deal than you would with your own cash, right? So that leverage up gives you leveraged up returns. So if you can grow the business by 30%, then you're getting leverage gains. The same way people buy you know, uh, properties, they appreciate um, and they get outsized returns on the property they purchase. This is a very similar situation. The, the other thing that's interesting from the operator perspective is that we want you to be able to stack it. So you're not going to do one deal with us. So you're going to do one deal, one round. You do the second round, you do the third round. So you're stacking deals. You're starting to put a team in place to kind of, you know, you do the initial setup and then you hand that off to kind of a management team. So you're always the one in there kind of helping to pick the deals. And now you're building a team of people that are property managers for affiliate or online businesses, right? And I think, you know, that will get you to fuck you money mm-hmm. uh, in a relatively short period of time. And, and so that's, that's kind of the pitch to the operators. You know, on, on the investor side, look, you know, you're able to get access to deals that you wouldn't normally have because you're not going to put the time or effort or energy into kind of running these businesses. Um, look, if you want to buy a business from us and you have the skills to run it, then you can do that for sure. And then, you know, the benefits and the upside that you bring is all yours. You're not sharing it with an operator, you're not providing them leverage. But if you don't have that ability, this is an excellent way to get access to a market that is unavailable to you today. Absolutely. I love that. Um, it actually makes me think of a couple of people I know who <laughs> definitely tell them, Hey, if you're not listening to my show, listen to this thing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm so bullish about this. Look, I mean, it's got to work. Right. And so there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of what ifs and I'm being just completely honest with you. Like we don't know how it's going to go. Like that's why we're testing it out. But if this, if we can make this work, and you know, if we can show a return to investors, then this is going to absolutely blow up. And by the way, you know, we're this isn't like ours exclusively. It's not like other people can't be out doing this. So if you can come be operators for us, or if they have other ways to kind of raise the money, or they have other ways to kind of like put these deals together, it's interesting. I mean, this is going to work. I just don't know which iteration it's going to be. You know what I mean? Makes perfect sense. Are you? Are you? Um... Are, do you personally own any of these in your portfolio? Do you have any uh, uh, web-based businesses that other people are operating, et cetera? So Joe and I have an agreement. Um, we're not able to buy, invest in, or be involved in these deals or any other deal that could potentially be sold or invested in by EF Capital or Empire Thrivers, which basically leaves us out to any type of online business. So why do you do now, that? Yeah. So the reason is, is that there's lots of conflict issues. Sure. Right. So, you know, I'm invest, let's just say I'm invested in a deal and they're going to sell at empire flippers. And now I'm contacting our team. Hey, you got to do this for them. You know, I'm like negotiating on, on one side of the deal on behalf mm-hmm. of someone we're like, that's a bit of a problem. Right. And if Joe and I, we may, maybe we have competing interests on that deal. So not only do are we not allowed to do that, um, our team's not allowed to do that either. So anyone working at or for Empire Flippers isn't allowed to invest or be a part of these deals either. Okay. Now, there were some people years ago that have been with us a long time that did were grandfathered in on some of the business they had. But for the last couple of years, anyone hired is not allowed to have that type of side project or entrepreneurial endeavor. Okay. And it, you know, it kind of sucks. Like I get yeah. the, I, I get the problem and concern with people coming on board and you know as an entrepreneur like i get it like i want dude you see these deals all day and you want to be a part of involved yeah yeah but like think about you know this way so you have someone on the vetting side right who's who's actually responsible for vetting the business and they're allowed to you know invest in deals be a part of deals and all of a sudden they reject a listing but then talk to them on the side and hey you know i'll invest in your deal or like you know what i mean there's lots of like incentives that are just misaligned to where it's a real problem. So, you know, the other thing is, you know, we don't want anyone doing deals off market. So, you know, there are some people, some people in the industry 
where if a deal comes to them, they'll make an offer on the deal um, if they like it. And they'll kind of like vet it themselves and they'll make an offer. Sometimes they'll buy it, but if they don't sell, they can't work out a deal, then they'll throw it up on their market. Sure, yeah. Right, so you're getting the kind of like, you know, second look businesses and they're, mm-hmm. for, they're either buying them themselves first or they've got a private list that they give out to like, you know, 10 friends and family or something and then kind of pass that on to the market. And we, we've just taken a stand that we don't do that. So everything we list goes up at the same time. There's no private deals. We're not buying these deals privately. Any of the operators for EF Capital have to, they don't get any early access or any special views. They don't get any assistance in terms of us trying to help them buy the deals on them. Okay. So do you, just out of personal curiosity, do you take your investment capital and put it elsewhere besides like, you know, the general stock market, et cetera? Do you invest in other businesses outside of the uh, Empire Flippers place? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a rough one, man. Because Joe and I, we kind of tease each other like, dude, like, is this one allowed? No, that one's yeah. not allowed. Okay. All right. Oh, man. So, you know, I mean, personally, I do real estate. Mm-hmm. I've got some stock. I've got crypto. Mm-hmm. Joe, um, he's got REITs. So he does kind of a real estate through REITs, real estate um, uh, trusts mm-hmm. um, and derivatives. Um, he's got stock and then crypto as well. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah, no, I, I could imagine that there's been a handful of deals. You're like, oh, I would love to throw money into this one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like some of them, you know, particularly if it's like just of personal interest to me. I'm like, sure. oh man, like I, I see how I know, I know what we could do with that one, right? That'd be interesting. One exception to that though. And so Joe and I have been, um, we were, we were looking at doing this in 2020 until all hell broke loose worldwide. Mm-hmm. But one of our thoughts was like, look, why don't we invest in businesses that could potentially provide deal flow. Like in our business on mm. the, the brokerage side, deal flow is everything, right? We yeah. get the, the highest quality, the, the highest amount of the highest quality uh, deals. The buyers are going to come. In fact, I, I joke internally with our team. I was like, look, I want to be so good that even the, the potential buyers that don't really love us begrudgingly come to us because we just have the best deals. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's where we went, right? Yeah. And so... Um, you know, the idea was like, what if we invest in businesses that are around us and that potentially have deal flow? So, you know, accounting firms, bookkeeping services, other like SEO type agencies that could provide a significant amount of deal flow to us. Mm-hmm. What if we invest in those businesses around? And also they could provide value to our you know buyers after they purchase the business or even sellers preparing the business for sale. And so, that's something we're interested in. So empire flippers can invest or acquire businesses. And that's, that's mm-hmm. of some interest to us. We, we put it on the back burner uh, in 2020. Things were so crazy, but I think we're going to revisit that. No, I think that makes sense. I think that's fantastic. Um, you guys have a, is it an apprentice program or you guys have something that you're doing where you're working with people to really understand how to um, build out a group, not it's, it's a little bit beyond outsourcing. Is that right? Yeah, it's funny, Brad. I know we were our our marketing team, the Empire's marketing team, was like, you know, we should talk about the apprenticeships and talk about the fact that we're hiring. Uh-huh. But you and I just want to talk about deals and like yeah. this crazy shit that's going on, man. So whatever, man. But uh, I don't, I don't yeah, mind. To, to, I don't mind throwing your marketing team above. Yeah, to their to their benefit, Greg. This is for you. Uh, no, we we started off with an apprenticeship many many years ago, and so you know we. It's a bit of backstory. Joe and I, we started uh, this company from the Philippines. We had an outsourcing company. And so we were kind of you know, working out of the Philippines. And then we started this AdSense Flippers became Empire Flippers. It's kind of a side gig for us. It was a side project. And we'd met some friends that we'd made recently out um, in the north of the Philippines. And they had, they had said they'd thrown this apprenticeship up and they were going to fly someone halfway around the world. And they're going to pay for their you know, apartment and give them some food and a little bit of spending money and have them work on their business from like an island in the Philippines. And I was like, what kind of donkey would do that? Like who would fly Mm -hmm. halfway around the world to like take a job like that? And then we met this donkey and he was the donkey, you know, a super bright, young, motivated guy. We were like, wow, that's a thing, huh? So we realized that people are interested in kind of like packing up and, and, you know, tossing the cubicle or the, you know, the open office and, and going on an adventure. And so we started this kind of apprenticeship where we would, you know, bring people out to the Philippines and later to other countries and set them up with an apartment, get them paid, um, and kind of, you know, get, get everything set up. So when they hit the ground, they can just start working. 
And so we were, you know, they would uh, be mentored by us directly. Like we would work with them very closely and they would have a seat at the table. This is the early days. And so that was a really great way to build our business. We were able to bring these people on that were super motivated, that were taking this leap, that were willing to join this kind of crazy company culture. Um, and we were able to grow the business really quickly with that team. Now, since then, we've moved it from apprenticeship to, you know, an employee situation. But we've kept a lot of the fun stuff. So the job is still completely remote. Um, we have teams of people um, that outside of COVID, we typically meet up twice a year at really fun locations. Like we were supposed to do Budapest last year. We've done Medellin. We've done Mexico City. We've done, mm-hmm. you know, Phuket, Thailand. We're at Villas there. Um, you know, take out, uh, you know, crazy boats for our trips. Like we do some really fun stuff as a team. Um, but then outside of that, you can work wherever the hell you want. So I don't care if you're on the beaches in Bali or, you know, you're in New York City or Prague. We have people all over the place. And so, you know, we were doing this kind of remote thing before it became a thing. And it's been really, uh, really valuable for us. I love it. Do you have it? This, this is a personal question, um, a personal request, because one of the things I mentioned is that, you know, myself with a couple of partners recently launched a new e-commerce uh, business and marketplace. And uh, we are in the phase of starting to staff up and put people into place. One of the things I hate doing personally is until later on is hiring piecemeal. Like let's find this person, let's find this person. Mm, And you know, hiring is a full-time role. Do you have, do you know any good agencies like full service, decent e-commerce agencies that can step in and manage a lot of the various aspects that are needed when trying to grow uh, an e-commerce business? Because this is one of the things we're looking for. So for any of my listeners, uh, you can also contact me, but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can. I got a guy out here in, in Asia, uh, Mads. I'll introduce you. Yeah, that'd be I'll great. I'll give you a link after the show, whatever you can put in there, whatever. That'd be like. fantastic. Yeah, he, he runs a yeah, he runs a team of, I don't know, he's got 100 plus people in the Philippines and is very familiar with affiliate and e-commerce, um, works for uh, some of his uh, employees work for companies that are in affiliate space and e-commerce space. And he's fantastic. Oh, that'd be, yeah, that'd be beautiful because trying to staff that part up so that I don't have to uh, once more raise the babies. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, getting a crew together and like managing that and like, look, you know, we joke that like the perfect business is literally zero people and just raining down cash, (laughs) raining down cash, right? Like you're sweeping it up in buckets. The, the, The problem is, is that that that's kind of unicorn hunting. You know what I mean? There's just like, that's not common. Most businesses that are successful and profitable and hugely like growing they just require people i mean mm-hmm. it's just typical that they require people and so you know not all not all not all but most um and so yeah you just get to that point where like you know i if i'm going to grow this business and get it to where i want to be i'm going to have to add people add staff add process you know not everyone does though i've got a really good friend of mine uh who has run he sold his fba business but he ran an fba business and um was like, I just don't want a team. Like he had a mm-hmm. couple of virtual assistants to help with like, the customer service and stuff. But he was, I was like, dude, you could scale the shit. You got a great brand. You scale the shit out of this thing. He's like, I just, I literally don't want to. I was mm-hmm. like, but you could do it. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. I'm just not interested. And I was always trying to convince him and he was just not hearing it. And, you know, good for him, man. Good on him. Uh, he's done quite well with the business. It's done well for him. And he's very happy with it. It's just, I was just like, there's so much potential, man. You should grow it. And he's like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, that's fantastic. Well, man, Justin, this has been a, this has been a fun conversation. I'm super glad that uh, you came on the show today. Are there any other, um, any other resources, requests or asks you've got of my audience right now? Like this is usually where I ask my guests, are there any nuts that you're trying to crack in your business? Whether that's a challenge, a person you're trying to hire, like you mentioned, you're hiring uh, something you're kind of trying to figure out this is where yeah, uh, i mean we can help just grow like crazy if, if anyone in your audience you know knows people that are smart talented you know want to join a team want to be bigger uh a part of something bigger than themselves we're scaling up like crazy in 2021 and so we could really use the help we've got a bunch of positions open you can go to empireflippers.com slash careers uh take a look at what we currently have available this year you'll fi- you'll find that page just to be uh consistently open um obviously if you want to find out more information you can empirevers.com we've got a podcast ef uh empirevers podcast we've got um uh you know a couple other shows and a blog so you can take a look fantastic well thanks again for being a guest on the show for my listeners i hope you 
enjoyed me continuing to talk about this topic. And I think it's, um, I think really acquiring businesses and understanding this as the evolution, it's really the evolution of most entrepreneurs um, who get tired of just operating and operating and they get to a point where they understand what needs to be done. And uh, that there's typically an, not always easier, but sometimes a, a shortcut to getting into a business that is profitable and has the ability to create life-changing uh, results for you. And uh, oftentimes, you know, acquiring the business is the way to do it. It's not for everybody, but as I said, I, I always viewed this as the next evolution of, you know, building your entrepreneurial skills. So, well, Brad, you're right. You're right about that. And funny because a lot of sellers ultimately become buyers. Like they start off going, "Why would anyone buy a business? They're crazy. I'm going to sell this business." And then a couple of years later, they do it again, and then they go, "Oh, I get it now. I see this business for sale. I'm going to become a buyer." So it's you're right in terms of it being an evolution, man, for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today, Justin. It is uh, probably 1 a.m. your time over there in Vietnam right now, I'm guessing. Yeah, buddy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a night Indian. It's okay. I normally do the <laughs> night calls, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm wrapping up here. <laughs> Love it. Same here. Well, uh, everybody else, make sure you are subscribed to the show. And if you have any questions, comments, or um, compliments for yours truly, you can uh, either do that by emailing ask Brad at baconwrappedbusiness.com or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one of them and I appreciate them all. Stay tuned for the next episode. We've got one coming up real soon. And uh, Justin, thanks a lot for being a guest on the show. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it.